Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Pedro da Costa, and I'm excited to welcome to the podcast one of my favorite Fed watchers, Dr. Donald Cohn. He's the former vice chair of the Federal Reserve, and his career of over 40 years at the central bank gives him a level of insight and perspective that few others in the business have. He also served as an external member of the Bank of England's Financial Policy Committee from 2011 to 2021. Dr. Cohn is now a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, where he holds the Robert V. Rusa Chair in International Economics. Thank you so much for joining FedSpeak. Great to be with you, Pedro. So let's start with the big event of the week, which is the annual Kansas City Fed Symposium at Jackson Hole, to which we're both headed at some point this week. Markets are looking for some kind of dovish pivot in Chair Powell's remarks, or at least they were until recently, especially after the CPI. Do you think they will get that kind of pivot? No, I don't, Pedro. I mean, I think that's he'll he'll deliberately stay away from anything that looks like a dovish pivot. I think he'll emphasize again that their determination to get inflation back to two percent and to do whatever it takes to get there. I don't. Uh, he doesn't want any doubt in the minds of. Um, consumers, business people, market participants that the Fed is determined to get inflation down. He'll emphasize that that is very likely to require uh, some increase in the unemployment rate, at least growth slower than potential to take some pressure off the labor market. How much? No one really knows but for sure the unemployment rate needs to rise to take that pressure off the labor market. And I think he'll emphasize that they're willing to take whatever, as I say, do whatever it takes, but on a, from a risk management perspective, I think they see that they need to lean towards restrictive monetary policy in order to accomplish this objective. Now, turning to the inflation outlook, which of course is the main event these days. There was a lot of relief in the markets about the July CPI, which showed a slowdown to 8.5%, still quite elevated. I wonder how much comfort you found in those figures and whether you think they materially changed the Fed's policy outlook in the near term. So I didn't find much comfort, uh, maybe a little bit compared to the counterfactual if we'd had another very large positive uh, surprise on prices. But really, one month doesn't mean much. Um, I think the, I know that the Federal Reserve surely agrees with that. And they're looking for a sustained decrease in inflation. That's what we should be looking for. I'm sure they're looking at the core numbers as well as the headline numbers. So uh, I, I think uh, it didn't change their basic strategy. And while better than the alternative, it didn't provide one month's number doesn't provide much, uh, much comfort that inflation is headed in the correct direction. And where do you personally expect inflation to end the year and how sticky are these pressures likely to be persisting into next year? So I do worry about the stickiness. Um, I don't know. And, and I worry about it primarily because I worry about the labor market. And the labor market remains extremely tight. Vacancies are still very high. The unemployment rate is below most estimates of the 
natural rate, the NARU, the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment. Um, wages are increasing rapidly, much more rapidly than is consistent with the two 2% inflation goals. So I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know how far it's gonna come down this year. Um, I think they'd be lucky to get it into the four to four to five range. That would be quite a deceleration from where we are now, but we've had gas price. Some of the headline stuff is helping commodity prices, gas prices. But I think the real issue is whether it's going to go all the way back to two over the next couple of years without a much, uh, without a fairly substantial increase in the unemployment rate, putting some slack into the economy. So my concern is that inflation will be sticky because the labor market tightness will be sticky. And um, we'll just have to see how that, see how that plays out. And when you say four to five, are you talking about the CPI or the PCE specifically? I was thinking the PCE, but um, no. yeah. And so talk, looking at the, the Fed funds rate and the, and the path of, of rates, Chair Powell said in his last press conference that the latest SCP was still the best guide as to how high Fed funds would go. And that was, of course, just below 4%, around 3.8 on median. Do you think that's still a reasonable projection or is there a solid chance that they'll have to go substantially above that in order to get inflation under control? I think based on my previous answer, my concern about the stickiness of inflation in the labor market and feeding through to costs of businesses, I, I, I don't know whether funds will have to uh, go higher than three and three quarters or four, but I think the risks are more that they'll have to go higher than they would go than they would go lower. So I think there are upside risks on inflation relative certainly to what the market has and even relative to what the, the Fed had. And so I think there are upside risks to the funds rate uh, relative to what the Fed saw at the June meeting. And looking more immediately at the September meeting, which is given that they've kind of given up before guidance is maybe as far as ahead as we can look. Do you think, do you have an inclination of whether it's 50 or 75? This, did the CPI tilt the hand towards seven, uh, 50? I mean, we had conflicting signals from jobs and inflation, so it's yeah. a hard read. Right. So I think we had uh, signals from the labor market that it's still very strong. Hiring is still very strong. Wages are rising very rapidly. Look at the I track. I look at the Atlanta Fed wage tracker. I haven't looked in a couple of weeks, but certainly a couple of weeks ago, it was still pointed north uh, rather than south. Uh, so I think there's been conflicting signals there. At some point, I, I don't know what they're going to do in September, and I think it will depend very importantly on the price and labor market information they get between now and now and the date. They they have a really long interval in which they get a full two months of data, so they have more to suggest. I think at some point they need to step down those increases to a more sustainable pace. I mean, they're really 150 basis points over the last two meetings is pretty, is outside my experience, at least, before, at least post-1982. And uh, so I think they'll need to step it down at some point, but whether that's going to be September or not, I think the incoming data will 
will will let them know. So I think it's good that they're not giving such explicit forward guidance. Now the, there's the dots, so they can't get away from that. They've got that. They'll put out another set of them in September. Everyone will focus on the median. I think it's actually very unfortunate that the median dot gets so much attention um, because there's often a wide dispersion of views in the FOMC around where they're going to be, particularly a year or two or three ahead. Um, and no one, people don't pay attention to the dispersion, they pay attention to the median, which can be heavily influenced by just a few people changing their views. So I think the, the, the thing to think about here is the wide range of uncertainty about how this is going to play out. And that's one of the themes I would expect from Jay Powell um, at, at Jackson Hole in a, in a couple of days. Uh, so I, I think they're correct not to give such explicit forward guidance because, frankly, no one really knows what they need to do. They know rates need to go up uh, from where they are now, um, but how far and how fast will depend on how on developments, not only in the U.S., but globally in terms of feedback on U.S. Uh, inflation picture. That's a great point, and they had to kind of react quickly quite recently to forward guidance that turned out not to be accurate. Right. And so right. probably a lesson learned there. I wonder what you make of the last minutes. I, I always find that, you know, I, I go into the lockup and I, I see all this hawkish stuff in the minutes and then you come out and the markets have read it dovishly. And uh, investors really honed in on the whole notion that I think it was many participants were worried about the risk of over tightening. And I've seen some concern about a flip-flopping Fed, about a Fed that like, you know, moves in halting steps. Do you worry that they're sending mixed signals and that it might confuse markets and hurt their credibility? No, I'm not actually. I think uh, I was actually encouraged by seeing that. Right now is not the time to worry about overshooting the target. But I was actually concerned a couple months ago when what I, what, what I saw was a Federal Reserve reacting with very large rate increases to incoming inflation data alone. That to me guaranteed down the road an overshooting situation given the lags in monetary policy between policy and inflation. So I think they're in a more nuanced situation right now in which, as Jay Powell uh, noted at the press conference, they're paying attention to incoming information on labor markets, on output, as well as on prices. So they'll be projecting ahead. Uh, once, they, once they firmly establish a downward trend in prices, they need to be looking at these other factors to see where that's going. They'll have to make a decision at some point. Have they tightened, given these lags, have they tightened enough to continue that downward trend to where they want it to be? So I think recognizing that that's an issue, not right now, certainly not down the road, is actually constructive. I, I think they have a, a reasonable perspective now 
uh, provided they keep their eye on that 2% inflation goal and use the risk management to make sure that they hit that goal. Now, you've mentioned the notion that unemployment will have to go up at some point. Of course, it hasn't been cooperating in that direction recently. I wonder if you think that that rise will be accompanied by some kind of recession and or some kind of financial event. Yeah, so I I think it's quite possible that they can make this happen without a recession, but it will require slow growth and the rise in unemployment to take pressure off the labor markets. I think that gets to be a very delicate balancing act. So you've got very slow growth that can tip into recession because of developments, not only monetary policy in the U.S., but global global developments uh, on the supply side, further restrictions of supply because new COVID or other breakouts, uh, problems in Europe and Ukraine, et cetera. So I, I think, um, I, I don't know what the odds are. I think there is a, they'll be flirting with the possibility of recession, but uh, if that's what it takes to get inflation down, then that's what they're, uh, I'm convinced that's what they'll do. I wouldn't expect a deep recession and I don't see evidence of a financial uh, accident large enough to have a systemic effect on the economy, at least not yet. But I do worry about that. And actually, um, at last year's Jackson Hole, I gave a speech saying I thought there was some urgency to strengthening the macroprudential regulation in the United States to make sure the treasury market worked well, to make sure that some of the amplification mechanisms working through mutual funds, through margining, et cetera, were taken care of because you can't tell what's going to happen when interest rates start rising. And particularly if they rise further than people expect them to, it could reveal, it's already revealed weaknesses in the crypto market, right? Um, uh, But that not widespread enough to feed back on the U.S. economy, but there might be some other things there. So I think it's uh, it's a it's a worry. So far, so good. Um, I think we have a U.S. Treasury that's leading um, efforts to strengthen the financial system, both in the Treasury market and in other places, the SEC and the CFTC, but. Um, that's a slow process. So I hope they, uh, as I, as I said last summer, I think there's some urgency to getting this done so that we don't have a financial accident that takes a serious situation, let's say a developing recession that might otherwise be mild and makes it serious. I don't see the signs of that yet, but it's worth worrying about. Now, one last question, if I may, Keeping in mind that markets are forward-looking and are always trying to anticipate the future, they're not always right, as we've seen. Uh, markets seem to be looking at a fairly short window between when the when the Fed stops raising rates and when it begins to cut rates, perhaps because of these recession fears. I wonder what you make of that expectation and how long of a holding pattern you expect between those two events. Yeah, so I, I, I'm 
surprised that the market's as optimistic as it seems to be that raising the funds rate to approximately three and a half percent for just a little while and then cutting it next year will be consistent with bringing inflation down to two percent because markets have that built in also. So I think as I indicated earlier in our conversation, I just see the risk to that very much on the upside because of pressures in the labor market, as well as potential other potential supply side disruptions. So I, I, I'd be skeptical that the pricing currently in markets is what will actually eventuate given the Fed's determination to get inflation back to its target over the next couple of years. I don't expect it to come back to target over the next year, or even two years, but I think they need to be on a firm downward trend. So the markets apparently see the tightening that's built in as sufficient to restrict the economy enough to bring, and the labor market enough to bring those wages and price increases down. And I guess I, I'd like to see some evidence of that uh, before I, before I, uh, before I bought the story that's now priced into markets. I must say, Pedro, in just looking at today's newspapers and or recent, uh, you know, things that you and others have written, the I, in the U.S. we tend to be very U.S. centric. Uh, in our perspective, but my goodness, the situation in Europe is really, and including UK and Europe, even if they don't want to be included in Europe, <laughs> uh, it's really very, very difficult. And they, we, they are facing so a much, much bigger supply shock than we are with high inflation, um, restrictions on supplies of natural gas, uh, that fuel that is the essential fuel for industries in Germany and UK. So I, I think that may, maybe what the markets are seeing is a bit of a spillover from and China. So recently we've seen evidence that the Chinese economy is slowing down materially. So there's a lot of a lot of adverse things going on outside the United States because of these supply shocks having both COVID and Ukraine related um, having a bigger effect there. So maybe the markets are seeing that. That's, uh, But I think that's something everybody, the Fed and we observers and we second guessers of the Fed, um, both in the in the media and uh, in the think tanks, need to need to keep our eyes on the rest of the world as well as on the United States. That's a great point, and even recently, this drought in China that seems to be potentially right. affecting the supply chain itself because they right. had to just halt well, work, right? And the heat and drought in Europe. I was watched a news show just the other night that showed um, the Thames being much lower and uh, the Rhine and. The key Danube, I guess they showed key arteries in Europe, very, very low. And I assume that affects the supply of irrigation water to farmers at a time when Ukraine's breadbasket is not able to supply the kind of grain. So it's a 
it's a very so put on top of Putin's horrible war and this infection, the global the climate change, which is also disrupting supplies of food and putting more demands on the energy sector. All right, we'll leave it there. I'm sure these are issues that are going to come up at the conference, so I look forward to seeing you there. That was Don Cohn, former vice chair of the Fed. Thank you so much for joining FedSpeak. My pleasure, Pedro. Good to see you.